WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Good morning from WGNS. Today, the 8th of February. It is a Tuesday. And this morning, we're going to be talking about heart health, cardiovascular health, strokes, and more. And our guest this morning is Dr. Ramia Suda Deveria, and she is with Ascision St. Thomas. Good morning, doctor. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I am doing good. So I guess let's start off a little bit talking about what you do day in and day out, what you focus on with patients and, uh, you know, the type of patient that you're seeing each day. All right. Um, So I am uh, Ramya Suridevra. I work at St. Thomas uh, Rutherford in Murfreesboro. Um, I do both outpatient and inpatient care. I take care of um, all cardiology issues, including valve problems, um, heart disease, uh, atrial fibrillation. I also specialize in placing stents, um, and um, this is my day-to-day work. I also um, read all the imaging studies and um, echocardiogram, your EKGs, and uh, focus on preventative cardiology as well. So, Dr. Ramia, it, it seems like more and more we're hearing about patients who get stents put in. Is heart disease and heart-related problems, or I guess you should say, are both of those on the rise right now? Well, it, it has always been the number one killer in the United States. Um, I believe with the AHA uh, starting this heart disease awareness program, there's a lot more people talking about their heart problems to increase awareness of other people. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's on the rise, but I believe it's just a little bit more awareness amongst um, the the public and talking with each other about stents and heart disease. Um, But it still remains the number one killer in the United States. You know, looking back, let's say 30 years or so, it would seem that Fast food was not as prevalent as it is today, and and that has got to have led to some of the increased problems with the heart, because it seems like more people eat out today when compared to 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Scott. Um, I I just don't think it's just the eating out out itself, but also in general uh, with all the evolution that we've gone through in electronics-wise are, um, you know, comfort levels. Um, back 30 years ago, a lot of people were walking and or riding a bicycle or are a lot more active on the farm. Of late, um, our population has become much more sedentary, you know, a lot of desk jobs um, sitting in front of the computer, in addition to, um, you know, availability and affordability of the fast foods, um, although they're not the most healthy, have definitely contributed to heart disease rise in the United States. Definitely so. It would seem that more people today are much more sedentary in their lifestyle compared to years past. And, you know, part of that is 
it seems like kids are more involved in just different stuff altogether. I mean, everything from sports, which is great for them, to sitting around the house and playing video games. Uh, regardless of which one of the two it may be, they are more involved in both, uh, just depending on which direction that child is headed. But all kids are overly indulged in their phone. Yeah, I to- totally agree. Um, you know, that that unfortunately comes with um, our, uh, you know, uh, with all the technology that's out there. Um, I, I strongly suggest uh, a, a time limit for your kids um, if they really want to look on their cell phones or iPads or play their video games. Um, I think having a set time limit uh, every day will actually help with healthy being of the kids. And obviously in winters it's hard, but, you know, pushing kids to do a lot more outdoor activities and maybe doing outdoor activities as family uh, will probably be the best way to approach it and uh, having set time limits. Um, on being sedentary for the kids. And I believe it's also important, um, you know, as we eat out a lot more, um, uh, obviously we're taking the entire family, which includes our kids. So please remember that uh, your kids are not foolproof to heart disease as they grow older. So you really want to set a good, healthy base uh, to start off with and cut back on fast foods or soft drinks um, for kids as much as possible. Um, off late, we have been seeing a lot more trend of heart disease in um, younger generations. Um, you know, I'm talking about 40-year-olds, uh, our uh, early 50s, or even sometimes in 30-year-olds. And a lot of this stems from the food habits that they have developed from the childhood, unfortunately continuing on into their adulthood and um, having adverse impact on the health. Um, so these are things that we really want to keep in mind when uh, we think about our kids or when we're going outside to eat and how frequently are we eating, how healthy are we eating at home. Definitely true. And if kids start those habits of eating more healthy and exercising and getting lots of outdoor activity in in each day, then they're going to grow up living that lifestyle and hopefully carry that into adulthood and raise their own children that way, which would, of course, decrease the number of those who have heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, all that stuff. That is correct. Um, I, I wish our um, school system can, um, you know, do a subject of nutrition, you know, starting middle school or, you know, even high school that would actually improve their awareness, uh, you know, of the importance of nutrition and uh, chronic health conditions going forward. It doesn't seem to you, or is it just me, but it seems like in these times, we do hear a lot about health and, and getting healthy, but yet we don't actually see a lot of folks trying to get healthy because it, it takes some effort. Agree. Uh, it, it is not easy to change our, our lifestyles that we are used to. Um, at the same time, you know, it's a lot more effort to be, and also expense, in other words, to be able to find, uh, you know, healthy food and to be able to cook at home with all the major stresses that we have in life with, uh, you know, both the parents working. Um, it is it is hard and it needs a lot more determination and a lot more effort um, and a lot more getting used to that um, effort. And once you get used to it, I I think uh, it's achievable. 
definitely. And, you know, these days we are even seeing adults who literally sit around for hours playing video games as opposed to going on a simple walk that may take 30 minutes of their time each day. But if they would just dedicate 30 minutes to an hour each day to doing something outside, it would change their health for the positive, and that would be a good starting point. Um, definitely. Um, heart disease is a conglomerate of uh, risk factors, um, which includes everything, your genetic history, diet, exercise, your hypertension, diabetes, um, you know, a lot of these um, genetics is definitely not in our hands, but uh, and stress, the everyday stresses of life, unfortunately, are not in the hands. Uh, the current world that we live in, there's, you know, there's day-to-day stresses in our life with keeping up with the work, kids' activities, uh, and a lot of other stuff. But things that are in our hands are like diet and exercise and control of your high blood pressure, um, diabetes, your cholesterol, and seeing your primary care physician regularly. Um, these are things that at least that we can do to mitigate our risk of heart disease. And again, with us on the air from Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford right here in town, and you practice at several locations, I believe. But with us on the air this morning, Dr. Ramia, and we're talking about heart health, talking about stroke. And if you want to text us a question, then we'll get that question answered for you on the air. The number is 615-893-1450. Again, text us, and we'll be happy to get your question on the air. First question that we have here from a listener, it says, Will my blood pressure increase if I have pain? And what number is considered high in blood pressure? Um, yes. Uh, in general, any pain response um, most often increases your blood pressure. And really, the high blood pressure depends on other risk factors that you have. Uh, a general number that we try to aim at is to be less than 140, the top number, and the bottom number less than 90. And it's, it, if I'm not mistaken, doctors have often slowed down a little bit in rushing to prescribe medications for blood pressure. And I guess that first step is encouraging the patient to change their lifestyle, change their eating habits a little bit, and maybe get in a daily walk, as opposed to just jumping in and saying, all right, I'm going to prescribe you this medication for your blood pressure, and you've got to start it right away, and you'll probably be on it the rest of your life. Um, that is correct. I mean, it, it, um, whether we jump directly to medication for control of blood pressure or suggest lifestyle changes really depends on what blood pressure the patient is coming in with. If you have really high blood pressures, 170, um, the top number, I, I, I think the lifestyle changes are takes a few months to uh, be implemented and, you know, to show that effect on your blood pressure. And um, usually that high of a blood pressure will in addition to the lifestyle changes, we'll end up needing a medication, and we don't want to leave it that high, um, especially given the risk of stroke. If you are being active, your blood pressure goes high. So, uh, yeah, um, but a, a lot of the times uh, right now, like I said, we've been seeing a lot more trend in the younger generation with their blood pressures being on the higher side, and we really don't want to commit them to long-term uh, medication and a lot of the physicians are giving a chance um, up to two to three months to see if they can improve their lifestyle and uh, we can get the blood pressures down in that way and if we cannot yes the medications would be the right way to go the work environment these days and even the school environment these days 
is quite stressful, Pro- probably more stressful today than in years past, especially with the COVID pandemic and everything. So here's another question that uh, was texted to us. And again, you can text us at 615-893-1450. But the question is, how big of an impact does my stress have on my blood pressure and my heart overall? Stress definitely has an impact um, on your blood pressure and um, and your heart in general, definitely. Um, we actually, a little bit older patients who, uh, you know, are close to retirement, we sometimes encourage them to go ahead and take early retirement because of the stress that is causing the impact on their health. Uh, yes, that definitely plays a role. Um, and I, if you're young, I think we do have to adopt some measures to be able to deal with this with this stress uh, and that's different for each each one uh, you know I'm, I'm curious whenever it comes to having that situation that you're faced with having to have some type of surgery due to a heart-related issue uh, how how hard are those surgeries like let's say for example let's start off on the lower level of uh, you know that first step maybe after the medications stop working or they don't work and you have clogged arteries, heaven forbid, you have to get a stent put in. But if you are a patient who has to have one put in, what kind of surgery procedure is that? How long are you hospitalized? Or are we talking about in one day and out the same day? Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of the days today, we uh, most often the patients, it's like a one day procedure. You come in, uh, it's, it's a pretty low downtime procedure given the advances in medicine right now, uh, most often the patients are sent home the same day or the following day just with overnight observation. Uh, the procedure takes anywhere between an hour and a half to two hours to putting in the scent, depending on how uh, what we find when we go ahead and do the procedure. But most often it's a, it's a low downtime procedure. Well, that, that's good to hear for sure. And then for the more extreme cases where they have to have open-heart surgery, what are we talking about there? Because I know technology has really improved, uh, medicine has really improved over the years, and surgical procedures have changed over the years. So what does a heart procedure look like when it comes to a bypass surgery? So um, an open-heart surgery or your recovery from bypass surgery really depends on how um active or how your body condition is prior to the surgery. But most often, if everything goes fine, we are looking at uh, two days in the ICU and three days um, on the cardiac floor, and then you're home, and um, a little bit of recovery from the surgical incision takes about a month. Uh, But most often, patients within two to three weeks are um, usually taking their walks and uh, doing fine. Having said that, we also have the option of um, a robotic bypass surgery. It's not for everybody, but there are some patients that uh, really qualify for that, which, again, is a very minimal downtime procedure. You don't have to cut open your chest. Um, you go from the side of your chest and um, do perform robotic bypass surgery. And like I said, this is not for every, every patient, but uh, it, the downtime and recovery time is much more faster in these patients. Again, with us this morning, live on the air, Dr. Ramia with Ascision St. Thomas. And we're talking cardiology. We're talking about heart health and problems that may come with a sedentary lifestyle. But then you also have those who have hereditary issues with 
all types of problems like uh, high blood pressure, cholesterol, and, and so forth. What are we seeing with hereditary problems? I mean, I guess what is the most common hereditary issue when it deals with the heart? Well, uh, the most common hereditary are, you know, diabetes and um, high cholesterol at an early age. So if you do know you have a family history of uh, early onset of high cholesterol um, or diabetes, I strongly encourage you to see your primary care physician regularly and, and uh, every year to get your blood work checked and screened for your risk factors. Uh, even if you're a 20-year-old, uh, if you do have a strong family history of uh, uh, heart disease or uh, risk factors that can lead to heart disease, which include high blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol, uh, definitely encourage you guys, uh, don't take uh, being young as an advantage, but being young as an advantage in terms of taking care of your health early on, knowing your family history is important. So see your primary care physician regularly, get screened for these conditions. Most of us have grown up with the idea of having regular checkups annually, and it seems like, you know, obviously it makes sense to have annual checkups, but, but why annually? Does that give enough time for a doctor to actually catch a progressing problem every 12 months? I think most often a lot of the patients, uh, it's the diabetes or anything is a slow-creeping uh, disease. It doesn't come on sudden onset. So I think yearly um, checking should be good in younger patients and maybe elderly who are, are a little bit older patients who have known risk factors. A little bit more frequent checking is reasonable. Again, Dr. Ramia with us this morning from Ascision St. Thomas, and we're talking heart health today. And of course, February is known as National Heart and Stroke Prevention Month. And this is the time that a lot of folks are really making it known that you do need to take better care of yourself and your heart especially. And uh, one of the things that we always hear about are folks wearing red in February just to represent the heart. Um, and I'm sure that's that's already been done at your office because I think, what, February 4th is usually the time for that. Uh, but what are some other folks doing out there to educate others on heart health? Um, a lot of it is um, um, basically there are camps, health camps that are being, um, you know, uh, used to. I don't know with the COVID they haven't been doing as much, but there are uh, a lot of health camps and heart walks that we do to uh, increase the awareness of heart disease um, amongst the general population. What would you say to somebody, let's say it's a new patient who is wanting to try to be more healthy in their daily living, uh, what are some of the things you would tell them? And then what are some of the warning signs people should look out for for heart-related illness? Yeah, um, especially for uh, clogged arteries, um, you um, the, the, the things that you want to do preventatively is obviously screen for your risk factors every year, um, watch your diet, um, be as active as you can um, and make sure you exercise regularly and handle the stress um, in however ways that you want. And um, those are the most important things that you really want to uh, do to help control from your standpoint your risk of future heart disease. And then as far as uh, actually figuring out, you know, if my symptoms are heart-related, uh, versus, let's say, an anxiety attack. How do you go about deciphering uh, what is what, and, and when should the patient come in to get help? 
Yeah, it it is really hard uh, to differentiate uh, between an anxiety versus really hot uh, hot symptoms, and um, they are pretty much very similar. Um, usually, uh, if you do know you have history of anxiety, a lot of the patients uh, will be able to differentiate uh, from their anxiety attack to a real heart problem because the the chest pains uh, with when you're having a heart attack tend to be a lot more intense um, than just your anxiety attack. And a lot of the times, patients with anxiety have either mechanisms to cope with that or a medication to deal with that. And most often we've seen patients, if they tried one of those, you know, their symptoms have gotten better. That direct you, that, that symptoms direct you towards more anxiety. But my uh, biggest pet peeve for anybody is when in doubt, don't hesitate, come to the ER, get checked out. Um, you know, some of the patients are like, you know, I don't want to look like a fool going to the ER when it's an anxiety attack. Um, I would say I would rather think of them that way than miss a big heart attack. So if you have any um, any doubts, either see your family care, go to urgent care or ER and make sure you're not having a heart attack. Um, some of the symptoms that you really want to pay attention to is, um, uh, you know, the most common symptom is your chest pain, which is can be different things, can be pressure, can be discomfort, um, can be indigestion-like symptoms, your, or just left arm pain without uh, chest discomfort. And sometimes for women, it's, it's uh, interestingly odd, is like there's pain in between your shoulder blades. So these are the things that you want to keep in mind and pay attention to, and if you do notice these, uh, bring it uh, to the attention of your physician. Um, although there are other... Um, causes that can cause all these symptoms, we want to make sure this is not your heart. Again, on the air with us, Dr. Ramia, and we are going to take a short break. But when we come back, I want to kind of get to COVID-19, how that has an impact on the heart, if it does, and also what folks can do to deal with problems after they go through a battle with COVID-19 and what they should do next in order to stay even healthier. Uh, But again, Coming up in just a second, we'll hit that topic and more with Dr. Ramia from St. Thomas Ascision. And uh, that's St. Thomas Rutherford right here in Murfreesboro. So make sure you stay with us. We will be right back right after this short break. You're tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who's moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to demasfamilykitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to demasfamilykitchen.com. Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. We're a pretty well-rounded music store. We have every guitar, keyboard, drum that you might be looking for. Parts are available, strings, accessories. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. It's all here, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're your hometown music store. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Skies become mostly sunny this afternoon, a high in the mid-50s. Southwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 33. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. 
Currently, it's 24. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner, and we salute our veterans. Gandy Seafood is your crawfish headquarters. This is Chuck Gandy with Gandy Seafood Company. Crawfish season is now through the 4th of July. Gandy Seafood offers cooked and live crawfish along with customized crawfish boiling kits. The Gandy Seafood Cajun Market on Memorial Boulevard across from Sportscom. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. We're talking with retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant Patrick Garland. I spent 17 years in the military police corps. I wound up in forensic sciences. He's learned from the who's who in forensic science. I worked with Dr. Pierre Fink, and he was one of the pathologists who assisted in the autopsy of President Kennedy. I worked with the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. I studied gunshot wounds, and I was asked to examine the ball that was removed from President Lincoln's head and identify it as being the proper one. I had to go to Ford Theater and look through all the medical reports. Another case was much closer to home. A grave had been tampered with in Franklin, and part of a body was found, and it was sent to Dr. Bass in Knoxville. His assumption at the beginning of the investigation was that this was a fresh body, and it turned out he was killed in the Battle of Franklin back in the Civil War and he had been embalmed with arsenic at the time, and that was a good preservative. Dr. Bass said that he made a mistake by about 100 years on it. A different veteran story from retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant Patrick Garland. If you know a veteran you'd like to highlight, let WGNS know, and we'll honor them in our daily salute to veterans. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Good morning. It's busy, but it's moving 24 through the Hickory Hollow area. Lots of radar out here up and down. 840 this morning, certain sections, especially over in Wilson County. Give yourself a little bit of extra time. Prince's Hot Chicken now available for catering. Check them out at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Again, our guest this morning, Dr. Ramia with St. Thomas Rutherford, Ascision St. Thomas, and she focuses on heart health. And, uh, you know, before that break, we mentioned COVID-19. And, you know, that is one of those big fears that a lot of folks have had, you know, fear of getting it. And then once they have it, what's going to come with it? So what are the repercussions of COVID-19, when it comes to the heart, blood pressure, your vessels, all that stuff? So I think um, we can divide the, you know, the COVID-19 as the disease related itself. And uh, the second part of it is actually the uh, peripheral damage that it has done. So um, awfully, uh, we have been seeing with COVID-19 patients, the most common symptom who had uh, COVID-19 is uh, palpitations, fast heart rate, um, and sometimes these are lasting up to up to six months, um, and we really have no reason 
um, really no understanding why this is happening. But um, if we have seen that more with the Delta variant rather than the Omicron variant. Uh, that is the most common, common thing uh, symptom-wise that we have seen from the heart. And they usually get better. Sometimes we treat them with medications initially, um, and then we uh, eventually taper them off as uh, uh, the tachycardia or fast heart rate gets better. Uh, the second thing that we have seen, it's not very common, but we do have seen, is something called myocarditis, which is actually inflammation um, of your heart muscles secondary to COVID-19. Um, and uh, just to go back a little bit, uh, the, it is not very only specific to COVID-19. Myocarditis can happen with even a common cold. You have a genetic predisposition to it. Um, so it's not only happening in COVID-19 patients. Even prior to that, we have seen in patients who have just a common cold or a GI bug that can cause uh, myocarditis. The percentage is not very high, um, but there's still that possibility of your inflammation of the heart muscle. Um, Third is um, COVID-19, especially with the Delta variant. Uh, it, is a pro, it is a state where you're uh, increased uh, for blood clots. Uh, we do, we have seen uh, a few patients with heart attacks, um, although it was really uh, hard to say COVID-19 is what caused the heart attack, um, but uh, we can't help to wonder about it as well. And the second part of it is what we're talking about, the peripheral damage. Um, like initially when our COVID-19 pandemic has begun, we have seen a significant drop um, in uh, the ER visits um, with patients who are having heart attacks. Um, they were scared to come in um, of fear of exposure to the COVID-19 and they ended up staying home and they haven't gotten better, so they came in late. So they came in very late in their heart attacks, at which point it is too late to uh, kind of do anything for them. Uh, so we have seen a lot of peripheral damage in regards to that. So, so strongly urge patients, uh, despite the COVID-19, if you're having a heart issue, if you think you're having a heart attack, you need to come to the ER. Um, time is muzzle when it comes to your heart attack. So the more time you stay at home, the more muzzle is dying. So we want to get to that uh, and open up the artery, the clogged artery, and improve the blood flow to the heart to decrease uh, the damage to your muzzle. As, you know, time moves forward, we are hearing less and less about heart transplant. But is that something that is still being done or are heart transplants almost a thing of the past? Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, uh, the heart transplants are still um, are still at going at the same rate. Um, so we actually had a, a recently a young 40-year-old female who we were able to actually get her on the transplant list, and she got a heart the very next day and ended up having a heart transplant. Um, so the heart transplant is still a thing. Um, um, there are a lot of factors that go into it as to whether you're a transplant candidate, um, whether you qualify for it or not, but yes, it is still a thing. Great to hear, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of new technology out there and new studies being released every day. How do you stay up to date on everything going on? Because there are changes in medicine on an hourly basis, it seems like. Yeah, we do, um, we do uh, attend what we call continued medical education, which is a CME, which is part and parcel of our, for any physician for that matter, just not the heart. Um, there are a lot of new drugs out there, um, so we actually have uh, medical journals that we try and stay up to date, uh, and we go to conferences to stay uh, up to date with ourselves um, 
to keep us uh, up to date with the knowledge. And this is pretty much for every physician out there. You know, while I know you can't name patients or anything like that on the air, kind of give us some positive success stories you've recently seen with somebody who was definitely troubled by heart-related issues, high blood pressure, maybe they had a stroke. But tell us, you know, the outcome after they did receive the proper help. Um, so I'm going to talk about, uh, uh, she. I mean, she's an oddball out, but I'm going to still talk about her because it, it takes back to how we are seeing um, heart disease in more uh, younger uh, generations. So I, I, about a year to almost two years ago now, I had a very young female, 29-year-old, um, who came into the emergency room almost a day into her chest pain, um, and she ended up having a big heart attack. Um, luckily, we were able to, you know, open up her uh, clogged artery, uh, put in stents, and she is two years out now, doing really healthy, taking care of her health, um, taking all the medications we gave her. Uh, she has three kids. Um, you know, she still has some lifestyle changes to make, but digging back into her history, we um, I've realized that. Um, you know, we as physicians, we want to take all the preventative care as well. So digging back into her history, she didn't have any of the traditional risk factors of high blood pressure, diabetes, early onset, or cholesterol that kind of led to the heart disease. But it's more of her diet. Um, she uh, goes back to telling me that during her childhood, she had eaten a lot of, pretty much that's all she knew is about fried food. And I believe that's what put her at increased risk of heart disease of so many years of fried food. Um, to have heart attack at a very early or young age. You, you know, that all goes back to teaching our kids today how to properly eat, how to find the right nutritious foods as opposed to those bad foods loaded with sugar and maybe fried, uh, dipped in grease, all of that negative stuff. But instead, trying to find the positive foods that will really better them overall. I to totally agree with that, and that's uh, that's why I think it would be it would be really nice if the education system can consider uh, incorporating nutrition as a subject uh, every year, uh, learning a little bit about nutrition. And um, even even us in the medical school, I don't think we had enough exposure to nutrition and its role in chronic conditions. Um, so I think that's a big thing that we are lacking in our educational system. Uh, going back to that 29-year-old, it, it is hard to believe that somebody at age 29 is in danger and did, in fact, have a heart attack. You know, that, that is very scary, I think, for a lot of folks to hear. But on the flip side of that, there is things that you can do that, you know, would change your health overall. Positive things, positive changes that could really change your life, lengthen your life. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I strongly uh, advise don't be discouraged if you do have a heart attack at a young age. Um, but I've had patients who've had heart attacks at young age and have 20 years out are still doing really, really good uh, just because they took life into their hands and have done whatever it takes that they can do to get themselves on the healthier side and be on all the right medications and regular physician checkups. 
Again, Dr. Ramia with us this morning with Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford. And as we close, if somebody wants an appointment with you, I would guess they should first go through their general practitioner, then I guess say, hey, that you know, correct. here's a doctor. Yeah, that is correct. Most insurances will need a referral from primary care physician and um, um, have them refer to us and we'll be happy to help them. Sounds great. Well, Dr. Ramia, thank you so much for joining us this morning uh, on the air. Thank you, Scott, for giving me this opportunity. Um, you guys have a good day. You too. Time right now, 8.58. Again, our guest this morning has been Dr. Ramia from Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford, and you can learn more uh, simply by going to this podcast, and we'll post her contact information there at WGNSRadio.com. Then click on the podcast section, and there you will see all the information on how to contact her or get an appointment. Time right now, 858. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us.